This is the Secrets We Share podcast, a show about the ins and outs, the ups and downs, and the left and rights of mental health care in Australia. Here's your host, Francis Carlton. Hi, welcome to Secrets We Share. Today we're talking to Helen. She uh, lives in the UK and I visited her recently when I was over in Old Blighty on a pretty sort of cold and dank spring springtime. And Helen is a mother of four and a grandmother of four. And Helen, welcome. Hi. Who are you? Um, you want me to describe myself in words or tell you who just, I am? Yeah, just, just in words. Who are you? Okay. I'm a partner, a mum, a grandmother, a biker and a woodchopper. Okay, woodchopper. Tell me more about woodchopping. I work with a tree surgeon. Okay. Far removed from what I used to do and it wouldn't have been something I'd planned to do, but I'm working with a woodchopper. You're working with a woodchopper. And do you enjoy it? I love it. You love it? Yeah. What do you love about it? Well, I suppose because I'm 57, you know, it keeps me fit and it keeps me going. And the nice thing about it is because my partner owns the company, the hours are come and go. There's no set time for anything. If we don't want to work, we don't. Yeah. So it's just really nice at this age to not be stressing over work. Yeah, so not having the nine-to-five. Not d- having the nine-to-five, nine to five. Yeah. Okay, cool. So one of the things we talked about when we were planning this was you wanted to talk about grief yep. today. Can you tell me a little bit about the, some grief that you've experienced in your life? Well, believe it or not, I went through a bad patch where I suffered an awful lot of grief where I lost a lot of people very close to me in a very short space of time. So in the space of three years, I lost uh, my niece, my best friend, my mum, and then I lost my son, which obviously was the worst Mm. for me. Mm. I lost my son. You lost your son. And what happened, can you you just sort of, what sort of time period was that? Was like a, a year, a few months? You mean to starting to feel okay? No, no, but before when you lost your first, and then it was a it was a time frame of three years. So okay, um, so it's an awful lot of grief in a very short period of time, yeah, really, very. in the grand scheme of things. And every everybody that I lost was very important in my life. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, okay. So you lost your mum. I lost my mum, my best friend, my niece. Yeah, and uh, my son. Wow. Yeah. In three years. Yeah. That's that's a huge huge amount of loss in a very brief time. What was the what was the outcome of all of that for you? You mean how it changed me? Mm. Um, I think the biggest thing that I noticed. It took me a long time, a long time to feel human. Over a year, I I didn't work. I couldn't be bothered with getting up. I I felt my kids probably suffered, not because I wasn't there, but because I wasn't there mentally. Mm. Um, took me a long time, and even now, you know, I have. You know, people say, you know, time heals, and to a degree, it does. But I can still cry out the drop of a hat if I think about him, and I have to compartmentalize, and that's the only way I can deal with my grief because I could cry every day over mm. my son. Yeah. And the other thing it's done is, which I find really hard to understand, is when people I now know die, I think. Why am I not feeling this? Mm. And I think it's because the grief for Ben was so strong 
that now what I feel is nothing compared with the loss mm. of him. And how long ago was it that Ben Ben died? Gosh, it was 13 years ago. 13 years ago. 13 year. years ago. And you yeah. still feel the grief as, as keenly as oh, the God. day he died. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. So this, this this sort of myth of the of time heals all wounds is a little bit. It doesn't heal it. No. Not not one bit. What time does do, it teaches you to learn to live with it. Yeah. That's what time does. And as I said, you know, I have to put him in a box. I have to put the lid on, and I tell him that's what I'm doing. Sorry, darling, but I can't think about you because yeah. I'm a mess if I do. Yeah. I can't let him creep into my everyday life, and I'm sure not everybody deals with it the same way. But that's the way I deal with it, and I. You know, as friends will tell you, I can sometimes just think about him and I'm in floods and I mm. I can't live my life like that. Yeah. You know, I have a life to live. I'm, I know that. And I've got children and grandchildren and I can't let him creep into my everyday life every day because it would ruin my life. Mm. Yeah. So the way you... So a, a way that you are coping with that loss even 13 years later is to as you say, put him in a box and just sort of say, I'm just putting you over yeah. here for now because I just don't have the space for you right, right this moment. I need to concentrate on my other children, yeah. my grandchildren, my Absolutely. work and living my life. Yeah. Okay. But then sometimes what happens is that lid flips open unexpectedly on me and I'm a mess wherever yeah. I am. You know, I've, I've broken down in some really ridiculous places because something's caught me. So and, um, can you just tell me a little bit more about that? I was in a school assembly. I used to teach year sixes. Yeah. And I was in a school assembly and I was absolutely fine. And a song came on that was played at Ben's funeral. It was one of our funeral songs. And I dissolved in front of a whole assembly. Right. So I was really embarrassed, very emotional. Mm. And that was the first time I actually went for any counselling. And that was three years after he died. Right, okay. So um, so after that incident, you decided that counselling was the way to go, was no, that? No, it was the headmaster who okay. decided counselling because they paid for it, but he knew Ben. Right. He taught Ben. So he said to me, look, just go and get some counselling, and I did. Was that individual counselling or individual, group? Individual or counselling, individual that counselling. was, and yeah. it, was, it was the best thing I did. And I've not had any counselling since, but I don't think I need it. I, I understand my emotions now and I can deal with them, but back then I couldn't. I, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was about ten weeks of counselling, and uh, it was it was really good. I'm glad I went. Yeah. But I'd had counselling before for other things, and it was just useless. But this was really good. So did you do you think you had a a different a different relationship or a better connection with the counsellor around Ben's rather than the previous counselling? No, the had? previous counselling. I don't think I was there for marriage breakup, and I just had. I just think they had no idea. They hadn't gone through the same thing. And in my head, they just had no idea. Mm. This woman that I went to with Ben, she um, just sat there and nodded and ummed and ahed at me while I screamed and ranted and raved and pummeled my chest and asked why me and why him. And she just let me and I would come out of there sobbing. I would come out of there absolutely exhausted. Mm. But that night would be the pe most peaceful night I had. Right. Once I'd let it all out. Yeah. And I think she was my release. And then... It was almost like I needed to do that. And even now, when I get bad days, if I break down, normally that night I'm exhausted, but I get a good night's sleep. It's like I've I've let it go. And it's it's almost like once every six months, I really need to let go. Right. Really need to let so you go. Need I let to him actually, out the box. You let him out the box. I let him you, out the box. So you literally, you, so you control the overflow. Yeah. 
you, you control that overflow. There'll always be things that set me off. You know, my daughter asked me, Mum, what was exactly the time of Ben's death? And I'm like, well, I know it was around four, but I think it was 10 to four. I think it was 3.50. She said, could you check for me? I'd like it. I I need to know it for some reason. So I went upstairs. I have a box that we call a who I was box, all his personal things in. Mm. And I went to get his death certificate and that was it. I just dissolved into tears and was going through his pictures and his personal bits. And I spent two hours up there just crying and crying and crying. And then when I came down, I felt better. Mm. Well, not immediately. And did you find out the time? Yeah, it was 3.50 and I, I was pretty sure it was 3.50, but yeah. And it's things like that. My son's just mentioned some videos that he's got that he'd like me to watch. It was it would have been his birthday on the 23rd. It had been 23rd of February. It had been 31. And my son, as a surprise, had bought, him, bought us a video recorder because we had videos of them. And he wanted me to go and watch some of these videos and I can't and I still haven't. Even if I think about those videos, it makes me cry thinking about watching him on the videos. Yeah. I can't, and yeah. I'm not ready, and it's been 13 years, and I still can't. Mm. I still can't. I can't bear that thought of it. Even now, that makes me want to cry just thinking about okay. him being on there and hearing his voice. I can't yeah. Can't deal with it. Yeah. Can you tell me um, a memory of um, a memory that you have that makes you smile about of, of of ben? ben? Yeah. I could tell you lots, but one of the ones that springs to mind is we were on holiday in the south of France and all my kids were off on a play park that was on our site. We were camping. We were Euro camping. Yep. And I don't know if any of you listeners will know about the big hamster wheel that you run on the inside of. Yeah. Well, Ben thought he should get on the outside. Oh. And the wheel took him up and over <laughs> and under. He took all the skin off his face, all his hands. I mean, it wasn't funny at the time, but now when I look at the pictures of him with these great big scabs all down his face and how on earth he went on the outside, I don't know. How old was he when he did that? I'd say he was probably 12. Okay. Yeah, so old enough to know better, but yeah. stupid enough to do it. Yeah. They thought it would be funny. but So they, they his, him and his brothers? Yeah, his two brothers and sister, yeah. Yeah. And did they and did they did they get covered in scabs as well? No, no they no. were fine. They weren't stupid enough to do that. Oh, so they just watched him. They just do watched it. him do it. Yeah, they okay. were on the inside. Oh, so they were they were running. So they were driving it. Yeah, and then he went spinning around the outside. <laughs> he got dragged underneath. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and he was twelve. He was twelve. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And you've got another one. Gosh, there's lots. I can. I remember once being at my best friend's house when he was only. He must have been about 18 months old and we'd put him in a walker on the... No, he must have been younger than that. Yeah. He must have been about nine months old. He was in a baby walker on my friend Sally's patio. Yeah. And Sally said, oh, I'll be all right. There was nothing he could do. And Ben just made a beeline for a dahlia, snapped it off and stuffed the whole thing in his mouth. Right. So he's just full <laughs> of petals, these little tiny things all in his mouth, coughing and spluttering. And I still have a picture of him from that time, from when he ate her flowers. Yeah. And she loved her flowers. Yes. Oh, there are so many things. But he was always clumsy and always doing something stupid. I, I remember another time when he was in hospital and it was a time when you weren't supposed to have mobile phones. I know you can now, but you weren't supposed mm. to have mobile phones in hospital. And his dad is with him and all the consultants around all having this big conflab about Ben. And his dad, Steve his phone started going off in his pocket because he shouldn't have even had it on him at all. So it's vibrating and he's going, Dad, your phone's ringing. <laughs> his dad's saying to him, no, Ben, it's not, it's not. Dad, I can hear your phone ringing. And his dad's trying to tell him, Ben, my phone isn't on. 
He says, Dad, just take it out your pocket and have a look because I can hear it. <laughs> While his dad's trying to convince all the consultants that he hasn't got his phone in. And were the consultants having a bit of a chuckle as well? Yeah, well, they, they did knew. afterwards, yeah, yeah. But you weren't supposed to have your phones on back then. Yeah. You know, back then it was a no no phone policy in the hospitals because yeah. they thought it might interfere with machines. But yeah, he was always a bit of an idiot. Yeah. And he yeah. had a thing about f- Ferraris, was it Ferrari? Oh, he had this thing about yeah. Ferraris, yeah. His best friend, actually for his 18th, um, went down to Ferrari Marinello's in Egham and got him a test drive. Oh, fantastic. In one of the Ferraris down there. It was one of Ben's highlights, that was. Yeah. 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 Oh, fantastic. So you've got some wonderful memories. I have loads of happy memories. That Do they help you in those sad moments? (sighs) They do. They do if I dig deep. But for me, most of my memories, my closest memories to the front of my brain from when he was 15, which was the day he collapsed. So I spent so much time with him Mm. between the day he collapsed and the day he died because of hospital and everything else. And that was three three years? It took three years. Yeah. And so they're the memories I have because, Mm. you know, when he was well, we used to go out and lunch and Mm. I spent so much time with him, more like you would with your daughter probably, Mm. but he couldn't go to school. He wasn't well enough to go to school. And I was working and the lady I worked with, she said to me, oh, when he's well enough, bring him into the nursery. So Ben, when he was out of hospital, he used to come into the nursery with me. The Mm. kids adored him and she was so impressed with him. She would pay him when he he went in there. So he had like this little job and he loved it. And one of the last pictures I took of him in that nursery, one of the children, or he, for one of the children, had put a tutu on his head, a pink tutu. Um, and now that nursery has a tree in his memory. It's called the right. Ben Tree. Oh. And they closed the school for a day in his memory. Wow. Shut the nursery for him, yeah. Wow. They loved him. Children loved him. Big Ben, they called him. Big Ben. Because <laughs> yeah. he was he was tall? Yeah, he was about six foot. Yeah. yeah he was tall. Yeah, so he yeah. was tall and skinny. Yeah, very skinny. Yeah. Very skinny. Yeah. Yeah. So now so now your sort your your coping strategy is um you surround yourself with family. Is that right? The fa- my family have been I think at any of my times of stress have been my biggest asset. Definitely easier than strangers. My best friend lost my best friend is also my cousin so she's my family. Mm. Um but she lost her daughter 2 years before I lost Ben. Mm. And she was my biggest thing because I knew she understood mm. when I wailed for no reason, when I, you know, when I just collapsed in a heap, I knew she understood. So she was, for me, a massive, massive help. Um, but my children as well, my daughter especially. Um, but it's always been my family with my grief. It's always been family. For any grief, anything mm. that I've gone through, I've always turned to family. The only time I ever turned to the counsellor was after Ben for three years, and that worked. But mm. any other counselling I tried when I went through a uh, marriage breakup didn't work. Mm. So family always, every time. Mm. Okay. And you mentioned in our in our preliminary chat that you um, that you went to um, like a group um yeah, I went to something no, called... It took me a long time to go because Carol, my friend who lost her daughter, she used to go. It was a group mm. in um, Farnborough called Compassionate Friends. And it was just for parents who had lost children. So okay. it wasn't for widows or widows, just parents. Yeah. It was predominantly women. There was a few guys there. It was predominantly women. But I went there for, well, it was probably about two and a half years, once a month. And... This is a post the counsellor? After the counsellor? Pre. 
Oh, pre okay. The camp. Yes, pre. Uh, okay. Yeah, pre the counsellor. Okay. And, um, but therapy-wise, I got more out of what I could do for other mums because when I first went there, they what they ask you to do is bring a photo of your child in, give it in a book, mm. and then you write a bit about your child and, and what who he was, how old he was, what he yeah. died from. So everybody that comes in gets to read the story of everybody's loss. Right. And that helps. And, you know, there were some parents there who'd lost two children. Wow. Um, and when you're there, you actually realise that your strategies for coping and the way you cope is actually a lot better than a lot of people's, even after a, a lot of time. Okay. So I, I know that even now, with the women that I met there, that I do okay. I do okay. And okay. I accept when I break down. I don't chastise myself for it. I don't... You know, I just let it happen, really. You let it happen, and as you said... Pretty you, much now. You feel exhausted, and then I do. You, you... It absolutely shatters me when I yeah. do, because if I have a... If I actually full-on break down, I'll go for a couple of hours just sobbing. Yeah. You know. But the, the Compassionate Friends was brilliant. Mm. It really was, and not only that, helping other people. And believe it or not, we used to laugh so much there. Yeah, okay. You know, Anybody new coming in, we would go through, give them all the comfort they needed. But we laughed as much as we cried. Yes. We laughed as much as we cried and made some good friends there. And, and did the laughter really help? Or did oh, it? God, yes. Because so many of us, all of us, spoke about the guilt we felt at laughing. Okay. You know, our child is dead, but we can still laugh. Yes. And we would laugh and cry all at the same time, you know. Yeah. And we had some really good fun. And sadly, the lady who ran it died. And her husband died very shortly after us, so the group was closed. Right. Yeah. Right. So lot so even tragedy in, in, in the group's setting as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Which was really sad. Did did any of you keep in contact after the group had sort yes. of dissolved? Yeah. We um obviously because my best friend was going with me. Yes. We met a woman called Carol who Another Carol. Uh, another Carol. Yeah. Who is now become part of our friend group. Okay. Um and there's a few other women that we see from time to time. Um, but not on a big basis, but this one carol we did. Okay. And do, yeah. Okay, wow. So you, it sounds like you've sort of like really developed these strategies over the years, but even though you have the strategies for coping, you still allow yourself these these moments where you just... I wouldn't say I allow go. myself and they just happen and then I just go with it. Okay. You know, I'd rather not have them because the feeling of grief is so so overwhelming mm. and that's something that if you haven't and I, I could never take away from anybody's loss you know if you've lost your husband your wife whatever but to me I've lost friends I've lost relatives I've lost my mother you know and I, so I've lost people really close to me but it just has absolutely no bearing on losing a child mm. none yeah. nothing and so Whilst I try and go with it, if it happens, like, I'll, I have to be on my own. I can't yeah. do it with somebody else. Yeah. Like, when I went up to look for his time of death, I was in his room, or what would have been his room. Yes. And I let it go because there was nobody there. Yes. If somebody had been in there with me, I wouldn't have allowed it to happen. I would have waited. But then it builds up and builds up. Mm. And then I have to let it go. But the reason I don't like letting it go is because I can't bear the grief. I can't bear that feeling of grief. Yeah. It's so new. It's like it's just happened. Yeah. And and that's the only reason I don't like letting it go. And it's pain physically painful it's and mentally. physically painful. 
it actually feels like somebody, it sounds like a cliche, but it sounds like somebody's actually trying to pull your chest from you, mm. you know, and I get like a, a burning sensation in my arms when I'm like that. And I get physically and emotionally absolutely exhausted. Mm. And it's painful in my chest until mm. it's done. And then when it's done and then I end up doing that stupid, <laughs> you know, crying because you've cried so much. And have you got the... Oh, definitely you've got the snot, yeah. Yeah, the snot, the tears. So I do try not to let it go. And now, it, it, you know, I would say once every six months, probably roughly, it goes. Yeah, Okay. And you, um, you, you, you see a lot of your your other children and your grandchildren. Now? Oh yeah, I'm lucky because I'm really close to all my children. Mm. Um, so I've got four grandchildren, all girls, and I love them all to bits. And I see them regular, all of them, all my children, all yep. my grandkids. So I've got a close family. I see my father every week. My sisters, unfortunately, I don't see because they all live in Australia. But yeah. other than that, I see all my family. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If you if you were going to give if you were going to give somebody some advice on how to deal with somebody who has experienced losses such as yours, what would what would some of that advice be? You know, things to say, things not to say, things to do, things not to do. Um never tell them time will heal because you'll want to smash them in the face. Okay? Um I remember a very good friend of mine said, you know, um, you know, in time. And when you're grieving that much, it's the last thing you want to hear. And actually, it doesn't. Mm. You learn to deal with it, but it doesn't heal yes. the pain. Yeah. Um, so you grow around the pain. The yes, pain is there and you grow around yeah. it. Yeah, okay. Um, I think it's just try not to talk to people who want to talk to you. Talk to people who listen, because you'll find as well... I was very lucky, but I know at Compassionate Friends, I heard from a lot of them, that people they'd known for years didn't know what to say to them. They would turn away, they would cross the road. Right. Um, so because they don't actively, know what to say. So they'd actively avoid yeah. avoid just because yeah. they didn't know what to say. Yeah. So that would have, I would imagine, made I was lucky quite that lonely. never actually happened to me, but I know it happened to a few of them. Right. Um, and I think, you know, it's like, I remember it happening to another friend of mine and ringing up and saying to them, look, there is nothing I can say. There is nothing I can do. And it's going to be fucking shit for a very long time. Mm. And I'm so very, very sorry. Mm. You know, but when you've lost somebody like that, that's all you need to hear. Mm. You don't want people ignoring you. I was very lucky, but a lot of them weren't. So just that acknowledgement that it's, you've had this yes. loss. Yeah. Is, is, it makes is a important. massive difference. Yeah. yeah. And for me as well, one of the things I believed, and I know people don't always believe in it, and I don't know if I believe in life after death, but I believe there's something, you know, mm. and you hear all these things, but believe me, I smell my son and I smell him in the most odd places. And the oddest place I smelt him was in a koala sanctuary in Australia amongst all the eucalyptus. I right. could smell him. You could smell above him. Above the eucalyptus smell. Right. Yeah. So I'm sure he follows me around. Yeah, so he's, he is with you. I feel like he is. Yeah. And if you, you know, I think when you've lost some, a child or somebody really, really close to you, you want to believe. Whether you believe it or not, you want to believe. Yeah. You so do you, do you smell or hear other people that you've lost as well? No. No? No. Okay. Just him. Okay. And, and I say that because Ben was very poorly for a long time and he was on so much medication this medication had a smell about it. 
Right. And it was the medication I could smell. And it's a definite smell. There is nothing else that smells like it on this earth. And when I get a whiff of it, it's... Very know, distinctive. Mm, very distinctive. It's not pleasant yeah. either. It's not a pleasant smell. But yeah. I smell it. So it's a chemically yeah. sort of yeah. artificial smell. I've never smelled anything else like it, ever. Right. right. And the and only other advice I would give is just know that eventually you will find a way to deal with it. I won't say that it, get, it gets easier. I won't say that time heals. I hate that. I used yes. to hate that. But mm. you will find coping strategies and you will learn to deal with it. Mm. You know, another friend of mine one day said, well, you know, it's been, what was it? She said, it's been eight weeks now. You should be feeling better. Mm. I nearly hit her. Yeah, And she was a good friend of mine. Wow. I was still in the depths of despair. Yes. I have, um, I have, I regularly have clients who come to me who have lost family members and they'll come to me at like the three and four month mark and they'll say, I should be feeling better by now. Oh, good Lord. And I recently had a, um, I recently had an, an elderly lady that had lost her husband who she'd been married to for 64 years after two and a half months. And she's like, I shouldn't still feel like this. And I'm like, huh, yeah, yeah, you should. This is actually quite normal. But she felt really bad that she was still mourning him after two and a half months. So, but you know, now I've got to this stage, I don't want to ever stop mourning my son. Yeah. I don't want to stop mourning him. And, and why should you? No, I shouldn't. Yes. You know, and even when people ask me how many children I've got, I've got four. Mm. I yeah. have four children. Yes. You know, he's never discounted from anything. No, absolutely not. Oh. Yeah. But that's a that's a coping strategy for me. I've moved, but I'm going to do it here. I set him up a memorial garden, which was very beautiful at my last house. Yes, and I had a gold bangle made, um, that was a love heart, and I have some of his ashes in the love heart, which I wear twenty four seven. Yes, um, so he's literally always with yeah, you. Yeah, and I have his initials, very small, written on my wrist. Yes, um, just but these things make me feel better. It's like I I got a um, you know, what's the charm bracelets everybody wears at the moment? Pandora. Pandora, yes. And every charm on there relates to Ben in some way, right. whether it's his birthstone, his initial, Big Ben, because that's what he was known as. Every single charm relates to him in some way. And all those things, having the garden, being able to buy a plant on his birthday, being able to buy a charm for his anniversary, yeah. all those things help. Yes. All those, because you know you haven't forgotten at Christmas, I buy him something the same as I buy the children, not as much because I buy a plant for his garden or one of the charms or yeah. something, but it makes me feel better mm. knowing I've done it. Yes, and it's that remembrance and that yeah. remembering and honouring. Yeah. And my children are very good with helping. You know, they're always really, really good on his birthday and his anniversary. Then, obviously, they never forget either. Mm. But and they were close. They were close. Ben to him was well. very close to Hannah. Yes, because she's only a year younger. Right. So she felt it more. The boys. Um, were only the boys were 13 um so hannah being 17 mm. she was doing things with him mm. whereas the younger ones weren't and i mean don't get me wrong i mean they felt it but it hit hannah especially hard mm. and she still cries as much as i do mm. and has her days the same as me yeah you know in some days we call them a bbd a bad bend day that's what hannah and i call them yeah yeah so if you're you just you know if you're talking on the phone and yeah. and I would imagine that you have them at different times. It's we just, do uh, have them at different times. Yeah. yeah, 
Um, but even Andy, my partner, you know, he'll say, oh, you're very grumpy today. And I just go, BBD. He goes, oh, all right then. And he okay. understands that I'm just having a bad bend day and I don't want to talk about it. Hmm. So there's that respect as well about yeah. not about not pushing and just leaving you yeah. alone and letting you be. And, and I need to do that. I need yeah. to do it myself. I don't want to try and talk about him. I just need my own thoughts and my own yeah. memories. And I accept that I've got to work, but I just, I'm quiet. Yes. You know, my own thoughts and stuff. Yeah, and everyone just lets you get on yeah. with it. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you spending some time talking to me about about him and sharing sharing some of those little strategies that you've everyone has their own ways of of coping and some people find that you know doing the lots of little things is actually just as valuable as yeah. some some people don't want to do anything no so but you've got those you know that, that beautiful bangle you've got your garden you've got yeah your family definitely helps and your acronyms yeah <laughs> <laughs> In an acronym-laden world, we have acronyms for everything. I know, I know. Yeah, so, but it helps. So thank you. I want to thank you for having okay. a chat with me today. And Okay, thank you. No, thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Secrets We Share. If you're interested in sharing some of your secrets, please visit our website at secretkeepercounseling.com.au. Keep an ear out for our next episode soon.